Kingdom Foundations. So how did this whole thing get started? Well, this project that we are talking about today has been about three years or so in the making. I suppose you could say it actually goes back further than that because we've had problems with our parking lot since we first moved into this building and it's only gotten worse over, over time. This, this whole thing started probably in 2019, 2020 or so, and we had sought to repair our parking lot, and I was really excited for the first big rain to come because we, we have the North Lake and we have the South Lake of Lake City Life, and I was so excited, okay, how is it going to be better? And what we found after the repair was that it was actually worse than before we started. It's permeable asphalt that has been filling in with sediment over time. And so we're like, all right, we have to figure out a long-term solution. What are we going to do? And around the same time, as you know, COVID came around that time. And, and as we were going through COVID, there were so many changes that were going on in our community. We were finding that people's needs were increased in our community, and we were receiving more and more benevolence requests but also the resources that at least existed pre-COVID were either less or different than what they had been. And so we, we just had a sense of, of, in the last couple years, of things have been changing, things have been shifting in our neighborhood, and what do we need to do? What's our responsibility to do with that? We believe that God has placed us here in Division Avenue and here in this space for a strategic reason to reach people. And so what does that mean for us for next steps? So we began this thing called Kingdom Foundations. And Kingdom Foundations is, we, we plan for this to be a two-year campaign that is a fundraising campaign that is above and beyond regular tithes and offerings because we still need those to make the church function. But this is a special offering project that we are going to be doing for three different things. It will go over a two-year period. And I believe that not only is it going to help us with these three specific projects, I really believe that God wants to do a big thing in our lives through this time together. So let me just give you a little bit of background on what's been happening. In 2021, we began working on this project. We began doing research into the parking lot, which became a more and more complicated project as time went on. We identified the parking lot as a, as a key project that we need to deal with, our neighborhood ministries, and then the work in Mongolia. It has been our practice at City Life anytime we've done a major, a major thing to help City Life grow to the next level that we have also invested in a partner church in some way. And so it came to our attention that the church in Mongolia had a significant need, and you'll be hearing more about that in just a few minutes. And so the three parts of this campaign are we're doing something for the church, something for the neighborhood, and something for the world. We got the, the, board of, the local board of administration, our board and the finance committee got involved and began to do some work. We began to look, what do we have currently saved up for some of these projects and how much more might we need? Uh, for those of you who aren't aware of this, who don't come to our business meetings, City Life has four income streams that make our church work. We the, the biggest one, the most important one is tithes and offerings, what you give through regular tithes and offerings on Sundays. We also have a fundraising stream where a, a small number of people or organizations contribute because they believe in the mission of City Life and they love what, they're do what we're doing here and they want to be part of it. We also have Immigrant Connection, which is a ministry of City Life. It is a self-funding ministry and it also brings in some income to the church. And then our fourth income stream is we have some tenants that rent space from us in a variety of ways. City Life, as a trying to be a good steward of the resources that, resources that we have, 
practices saving. We say we have an emergency fund that we save up for. We, there was a few years ago, we did not have a good emergency fund and we're like, we really needed one that year. This was before COVID. And, and we learned through that, all right, let's get this emergency fund and let's also have, let's also budget for building repairs because God has given us this facility and we want to steward it well. That takes us to 2022. We continued to bring in staff. We started talking to leadership about, okay, we're going to do this Kingdom Foundations campaign. This is where we think God is leading us. It's going to be a big step of faith for our church. And, and let's, let's just start talking about this. Some of you might remember uh, la- uh, January of last year, we started having some family meetings, and you were invited to that, and we had some meetings, and, and this was talked about at one of those meetings of, as a direction that we're going. We also established a building committee to help uh, make a plan for our parking lot that continued to just get more complicated the more we dug into it. That brings us to 2023. This year we have taken a deeper dive into the Mongolia project and found out more of the specifics of what is involved. We took a deeper dive into neighborhood ministries and understanding what that is and what that needs to be. Specifically, some of you might remember this past summer we had a neighborhood ministries observation phase and we were doing some work of, of just spending time in the neighborhood, getting to know our community in different ways. And we also did more work with the finance committee, crunching numbers and trying to figure things out. And we're learning as the more time that went on, the more expensive the parking lot project was becoming. So this fall, we prayerfully established the Kingdom Foundation's campaign committee. And you met them all several weeks ago. And I just want to tell you, this has been, this has been a fun committee. These are, every, we have this mini revival. Like every time we get together, everyone's got testimonies. And this team is so committed to believing that God wants to do something big with setting people free in finances and not only meeting the needs of the church, not only meeting the needs of the neighborhood and the world, but that God wants to do something big in our lives as a church body. Isaiah 58:12 is our theme verse. Would you read this out loud with me, please? Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. City Life's mission is to manifest God's kingdom now by calling out disciples and renewing our neighborhoods. And these projects are all about renewing our neighborhoods and calling out disciples. And in just a a few minutes, we'll dig more into Isaiah 58. But first, I want to share with you a little bit more about these three projects, which will become illustrations of the passage today. The first thing that we are to do is to renew our neighborhoods. That's the first part of our mission, renewing our neighborhoods. So the parking lot project. The parking lot is not the sort of thing that you think, okay, we're going to change the world. Let's fix the parking lot. The parking, lot, the, sort of, the parking lot isn't the sort of thing where you think, all right, we want to reach people for Jesus, so let's fix the parking lot. The reality is, is that the parking lot is a tool that helps us not to kill people in the process of them getting to church by stepping in giant holes or drowning in the lake. It, it's one of those things that's not fancy. It is just simply a basic need that we need to do in order to be good stewards of taking care of what God has given us. It's a foundational aspect, a basic aspect of something that we need to do. Uh, you can, you see I had a little bit of fun in the kayak this, this past week. I was really excited. We, f- we finally had a big rain, and I just spent a little bit of time in the deep waters of, this is the North Lake, the North Lake of Lake City Life, and 
this, I have watched people from my second floor office, my windows overlook the parking lot, I have watched people on the, on the big rainy days or on after a big snow when there's melting or when there's ice, there's, there's one place to walk. When, when the car is full of parking lots during the week or on Sundays, there's one place to walk and it's in between that center aisle between the two rows of cars and it's the only place you can go without getting your feet wet. So it's, it's, it is problematic. We, as I mentioned before, it's permeable asphalt, and it has been, it's filled with sediment over time, so it was supposed to drain naturally. It just doesn't work, and uh, you can see that the parking lot's kind of been pieced together with, with different ways of trying to fix it over time. We've consulted with three different churches, as well as our denomination, who recently did a parking lot project themselves. We've, cons- we've consulted with two different construction sites. We've consulted with an engineer. We've received various quotes. We've been doing our homework trying to figure this whole thing out. Our location on Division Avenue makes this a little bit more complicated. This isn't just about putting a new cover over the top of the parking lot. It's actually about fixing the drainage problem. So that's going to be tying in drainage. We can't tie into Division because Division's an important street and, you know, we're not that. So we have to tie into other streets and just trying to figure that out. Uh, there are property lines that we're trying to figure some things out. It's, it's, it's quite complicated. So why fix it? Uh, safety, as, as Will mentioned in the video, safety is certainly a big one. Even when we plow in the winter, there, it still freezes under the surface because of that permeable asphalt, and it's still, it's still slick, and we can't get down low enough to clear the ice all the way. Uh, usability, just having a parking lot that's functional being able to use all of our parking places and not having some that are drowned out in certain kinds of weather. It's also about hospitality. It is about people. It's about being able to welcome people in a place that feels safe. I have watched elderly people be very, very, very careful as they've been trying to come into the church building, both on Sundays and during the week. We have, did you know we have three churches that meet in our building? We have City Life, the Edge on Saturday nights, and Awakening Church on Sunday afternoons. I recently had a fourth a fourth church come and said, hey, we're wondering if we can use your church. And I'm like, I think we're full. I think three churches, I think we're full at the moment. I think that might just put us a little over the top. But we do have three churches that use this facility. We have immigrant connections, refugees, and immigrants that are here during the week. We have a counseling office and their clients who come during the week. And we have rentals through the week for a variety of things. Mel Trotter uses our space very consistently. The Edge uses it during the week for some other things as well from time to time. So it is about, it also just is about hospitality and being able to provide a functional place for people to get into the building. We also, being located on Division Avenue, I do feel a sense of responsibility that we need to be good neighbors. Division Avenue is developing and we're not going to be the worst looking place on the street. We're going we're gonna to keep up and we're going we're to do our part and we need to be good citizens in that way. We have this responsibility to care for the facility God has given us and even though it's not a glamorous, exciting thing, it's a necessary thing, and it's an important thing for us to do. And so the challenge, the challenge in all this has been, it's just a particularly expensive project. It exceeds what we would normally have set aside for building renovations, and it's just because of our location and the drainage issues, it makes it a, a more complicated place. So this, this is the challenge that we're bringing here, and I'll talk to you more about that in just a moment. It is, we, the, the, f- the starting point to fix this parking lot is $120,000, which is just a lot for such a small parking lot. So we have wrestled and wrestled with those numbers. We have asked lots of advice and consulted quite a few different people on it. And uh, we're, we're fortunate to have an expert in our church who's been helping us with that, who actually works with the city, actually two people in our church who work with the city who've been very helpful. But it, it's, just, it's just a tricky project. That's the, that's the parking lot. The second project is Neighborhood Ministries. 
Now, Neighborhood Ministries is an overarching title for our work in the community. City Life already has three primary areas that we do for Neighborhood Ministries. We do, the, the most common one that we use all the time is our help team. How many of you have helped to the help team in some way, served on the help team in some way? Could you, I know we've got some people, oh, okay, you're here, you're here. Help team helpers are in here. Uh, help team members, but on Sundays we receive requests from people for assistance. Through the week we receive a lot of requests from even people outside the church, both in and outside the church for assistance for various things. Our help team is very active in seeking to meet needs. We also, for Neighborhood Ministries, have Immigrant Connection, a way that we serve refugees and immigrants in our city. We, are low co- we provide low-cost legal aid. It's a very expensive thing to go through, and we, through lots of special things I don't have time to go through today, are able to provide these services low cost to people. We've had over 1,000 clients in the last year in our little office, and it's just been an incredible, they're just doing so much work, they're busy all the time. And our Immigrant Connection office is looking to extend to another intake site in the next year. We're hoping that that works out and are excited about those kinds of possibilities. The third area of Neighborhood Ministries is Bridge of Hope. This is our newest ministry. If you're part of the Bridge of Hope team, would you raise your hand where you are? Great, great. First service is well represented here. We are super excited about what Bridge of Hope is doing. This this team is surrounding a family that is walking through homelessness and will walk with them for about a year or so and helps them not only find stable housing and helps them find some longer-term financial stability solutions in their lives, but also functions as a spiritual discipleship community. And so families, even of our team members, families are involved with the family receiving the services, and together they're doing spiritual life, spiritual growth, small group work together, and are building spiritual community together and exploring what does it look like to raise up a family for Jesus. It's super exciting, and we need to celebrate because just this past week, we moved our first family into her new home. So let's just give a huge clap and thank you for that. Part of our Kingdom Foundations campaign will go toward funding the remainder of our need for the Bridge of Hope program. And also, the rest of it will go toward a fourth neighborhood ministry that we have yet to determine. We see there's a lot of need in our neighborhood but we also see City Life as a church with more capacity than we used to have. Back in the day, we had this much capacity and we did what we could. We're in a new place. We're a stronger church. We're a church full of people who want to invest in our neighborhood. God's calling us to something bigger. God's calling us to some, to some sort of deeper engagement. We know that there are so many great needs, and I, I think the trick for us is going to be not just what, what need can we fill, but what need is God specifically and uniquely calling us to invest in in a deep way next? We want to meet a foundational need in our neighborhood, a ministry that is core to people's well-being and flourishing. God has positioned us here on City Life. He gave us this place. We have a responsibility and a, I think a privilege and also a priority in which we need to serve this community in a deeper way, and I'm super excited to discern with you on what that's going to look like. There are so many possibilities, and it is impossible to meet every need, and so, and that is the attention that City Life lives in every day. Our help team can't help everybody. We help who we can, we do what we can, 
the reality is, is we have decisions that we have to make, and, and that's tricky. So the challenge before us is to discern God's movement. Our third project is the Mongolia property. The Mongolia property. Uh, some of you know, right, might know Jen and Corey Ellison. They've been here multiple times. They actually used to be part of City Life before they became missionaries to Mongolia. They both do theological training, and they invest in theological training in the pastors that are in Mongolia. There are eight Wesleyan churches in Mongolia, and Christianity in Mongolia is only about 20 years old. It's only when the Iron Curtain fell in the 1990s that Christianity was able to come, come again into Mongolia. And so the Christian church is only about 20 years old. They do not have grandparents and great-grandparents who have been in the church. And, and one of the things that they are wanting to do in this season is they're just looking to strengthen the, the presence of the church, strengthen the ministries of the church. It's a very poor country, a very poor community that, that, the, that they serve in. The church in Mongolia is called a ger. It is a tent-style church building. There's a picture for you to see. We, a few years ago, we did a project where we, we did a Christmas project, and we paid for insulation for a ger because it's stinking freezing cold in Mongolia, and we paid for insulation so that it would be something like 40 degrees instead of like negative five. And so anyway, this is, this is what, what that looks like. And legally, it's, it's, it's very complicated for churches especially Christian churches, to hold property in Mongolia. They are allowed to, but the government doesn't make it easy. And so one of the things they're trying to do is to purchase another piece of property because it adds to their legitimacy as an organization, and it helps other people think, okay, this church is like real and legitimate and is something that, that we can be part of. And so they want to expand from... They, they have eight churches all over the country, but they really only own one piece of property. And owning a second piece of property will allow them to move the church from the one property to another space and, and give them uh, the ability to, to, to start another church there. So the first location will be used as a ministry training center, and then the second one will be used as the church building. So the, the purpose of this this would be an $8,000 project, and the purpose of this part of it would be to be able to purchase this other property to move the gear to that. This is another foundational thing. It's what the gear will be built upon. City Life's church is to manifest God's kingdom as we call out disciples and renew our neighborhoods. So renewing our neighborhoods, in this case, is looking like a parking lot, neighborhood ministries, and it's looking like our neighborhood in Mongolia. The other part of our mission statement is to call out disciples, and I also want to speak to that because I think God wants to do something big in our hearts through this next two-year campaign. And I hope that you are not already checked out saying, well, this is going to be for other people to be part of, but not for me. I hope that all of you, 100% of us, will recognize that God wants to do something in us. God wants to do something foundational in us. Anytime we talk about money or sex in the church, people get very nervous. But I think that any time that we're talking about money, it should be something that's deeply changing our hearts. God cares about money's impact on our lives. The Bible has a lot to say about money. You can't escape it. It's all over the Bible. And we feel the pull of money. I would venture to guess that all of us have had some sort of tension, some sort of decision to make regarding money in the last week. It affects all of our lives in a very significant way. And this Kingdom Foundations campaign is an invitation to prayerfully and by faith 
make a pledge to give a certain amount of money in, a, the, in the next two years about. It's, a, it's a 110 weeks between now and December of 2025. This campaign is above and beyond regular tithes and offerings, and this campaign is a faith commitment. We're not asking you to say, hey, I'm going to pull this out of my savings account. I mean, maybe some of you would be called to that, but the reality is that for, for the majority of us, this is going to be a faith commitment. Tithes are what rightfully belong to God, and offerings are above and beyond what belongs to God. Use of money is directly tied to our lives, our spiritual lives, and the way we live. So some of you are thinking, Christy, do you know who our church is? Christy, do you know who City Life Church is? Christy, do you know that City Life is a church where we have a lot of people who don't have a lot of money? And this is exactly why we need to talk about this. We have socioeconomic diversity here in, in pretty significant ways. And this is something that all of us need to talk about, no matter where we are on that spectrum. I believe that God wants to set us free from financial bondage. I believe God wants to take us to new places where we have a new level of freedom and trust in God to provide for our needs, and we have a new spirit-led freedom for generosity that we really had never thought of before. I, I tell you, the, the Capital Campaign Committee, as we meet together and as we plan, every single time we're together, I'm hearing their excited testimonies of God is just challenging me in this area and look at the ways that God has spoken to me and look at the ways that God is leading me. You're going to hear some of these testimonies over the next few weeks. But there's just something amazing about our submission to God in such a core area of our, our lives. And when we truly live in faith in this area, God does big things. Isaiah 58 it's a beautiful passage. It's beautiful. You're going to love it. Isaiah 58 has a lot to say about justice, the poor, and material wealth. It goes like this. Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 14. The Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. You need to know, church, that God's heart for you is freedom. God's heart for you is that chains of oppression are broken. As I was thinking about the oppression that's systemically built into our society in so many ways, and, and the privileges that some people have with with economic freedom and some don't. There are so many things that could be said, but two stories immediately came to mind as things that were shared by some of the people on our committee. One person was sharing about how her, her mother passed away, and her mother, elderly woman, owned her own home, but there was no trust or will. That she, she didn't know about setting up a trust or a will for the house. That's not something that everybody thinks of. If, if, if you've got people who teach you that, great, but not everybody gets taught some of those things. And so then the daughter, when her mother passed away, the daughter spent six months working with lawyers and legal things when it could have been an easy thing. I think that as a church, we can help people learn this stuff. In fact, we're talking about a workshop sometime next year to just say, all right, if you need to learn about this sort of thing, we're going to help figure it out to just make life easier, to help people learn and grow. Another person from City Life had spent some time in prison. He was a returning citizen. And he came back and starts working again. And he says, you know what I don't have? I don't have any retirement, and I'm getting close to that age. I need to think about retirement. 
City Life has a lot of people who are returning citizens in our community, a lot of people who spent a good portion of their lives incarcerated. What does that look like for discipleship, for financial freedom? What does it look like to say, hey, let's, let's talk and let's teach, let's do some education about some things? Our church can do these sorts of things. I, these are just a couple examples of lots and lots of different things, but this is the sort of thing that I want to see God do in our church. I want to see God set us free and release us for more and for, for better, healthier, more free lives. So Isaiah 58, 6 says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Verse 7. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? It's foundational work to share food, provide shelter, to clothe people, to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. And City Life is a church of helpers. You don't usually last here very long if, if you're not. But we're the kind of people who, who we want to help. We, want, we like to help. People who are very poor are sometimes the best helpers that there are. We're very generous, willing to share people. I was struck by this phrase that said, the last phrase in verse 7 that said, and don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. It reminded me of Galatians 6.10, which says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There is something about giving priority to the needs within our church body. There are so many needs. City Life is inundated with so many needs every week, so many requests, people want, needing things, people struggling, people having a hard time. And we've had to make some prioritized decisions. And, and one of those decisions is we, we focus more on people in the church for ben, with benevolence needs, and we help others outside the church as we are, which we do help, help quite a bit in that way. But, but uh, we have to make priorities somewhere. And there's something about, as, this, as the Isaiah passage says, about caring for your own flesh and blood and about the body of believers. The passage continues in verse 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. God says this kind of work is good. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Verse 12. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. God's people are foundation restorers. 
God's people are foundation restorers. That's what he says we're going to do. He says we'll rebuild the ancient ruins. We'll raise up the age-old foundations. We'll be called repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings. And there are three things that I think are meaningful from this passage as we enter into this Kingdom Foundations campaign. The first thing is this. Number one, restoring the foundations is done in community. You don't have one single builder coming in and saying, I am going to rebuild that whole wall. I am going to rebuild all the houses on that street. It says in verse 12, your people, plural, together as a community, will rebuild the ancient ruins. This is something that we have to do together. We can't, no, no one of us can accomplish any of these things on our own. And so often, church, we want to think of money as this private topic. But we have to acknowledge that there's something about the communal work that we want to do here that really matters. With our campaign, we're not asking you to pay for a whole parking lot. We're asking you to do your part. And together, as we combine your part and my part and his part and her part, we can do a lot. The second point is that restoring the foundations is a work of hope. It's a work of hope. I love this passage. It says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. That means there's a ruin. That means once upon a time there was something there. And this, the age-old foundations, a long time ago something was built that was good and all that's left now is the foundations, but there's something to start with and so let's build on that. And this is a work of hope. We are investing in hope with our parking lot. We're investing in hope, bringing hope to our neighborhood. We're investing in bringing hope to the people of Mongolia. And in the midst of desolation, in the midst of broken down concrete, in the midst of a, a, a very humble gear, in the midst of a community that is filled with broken and poor and struggling people, we get to bring hope. That's what Rebuilding Foundations does. Here's a picture of an old, an old foundation. Do we have that one? Maybe. Okay, no, that's okay. It's just a picture of an old foundation. And it's, it's just the, the ground level foundation. And it just is this message of hope. It's the message that we can start again. Restoring is all about new beginnings. The third point, restoring the foundations is a work of hope, number two. Number three is restoring the foundations allows people to flourish allows people to flourish. I was struck in verse 12. It says, you will be called repairer of broken walls. Do you know what walls were for in ancient cities? The walls were built around a city for protection. So when an enemy came and tried to raid your city, the walls protected you. The walls kept the enemies out. If you were in a city that had a wall, you were much safer than if you were in a city that did not have a wall. You could flourish in safety. You could go in confidence. You could go in wholeness. You could flourish because you were in a safe place. Streets with homes. The passage talks about restorer of streets with dwellings. The, the, when there are homes that are built up, it's a, it's a place of flourishing, not a place of desolation. There has to be a good foundation in order to flourish. And I want you to know that God is committed to his people flourishing. God created us for flourishing. 
when the fall happened, God said, okay, we gotta fix this because they're not gonna flourish anymore, so I'm gonna send Jesus, my son, to bring a new level of flourishing with them. And the message of hope that we have right now that Jesus brings us is that Jesus is doing a new thing. He's making us into new creations. He's doing a new thing on earth as it is in heaven, and the day is going to come when Jesus returns, and the second, the, the, the new heaven and the new earth will come, and Jesus will do a whole new thing. God's will toward us is for our flourishing, and everything that God does in this world is to promote his mission and his goodness toward us. Do you remember what the angels proclaimed when Jesus was born to earth? They said, peace on earth, goodwill, goodwill. Peace on earth, God wills good toward you. Peace on earth, you are blessed. God wills good to you. He has sent his son. God wants our flourishing. Now, this is not a health and wealth gospel. This isn't to say, hey, give to the Kingdom Foundations campaign and you're going to experience financial blessing. I'm not going to say that because I don't think that's in the Bible. But what we do have here is I believe that as we walk in faith and as we lean into faith, God will do good things in us and that God's ultimate purpose for us is for our flourishing. So here's the nitty-gritty. Kingdom Foundations, it's not always flashy work, but it is important work. Here's the need. I already mentioned that parking lot number is $120,000. Neighborhood Ministries is $10,000, and Mongolian Church is $8,000, which brings us to a really large number of $138,000. And some of you are saying, no, let's not talk about this. I'm not quite ready yet, J.D. This is my fault. I didn't communicate with you. I apologize for that. I'll call you up in a minute. But of that $138,000, here is the good news. 48,000 of that has already been saved through the wise stewardship of the board and the finance committee. They've been making good decisions over a long period of years, knowing that we would have things we would need to face. And I would just like to say thank you to our leadership for having that kind of foresight and making those courageous choices. And there's more good news. Last summer, we were invited to apply for an urban church grant. Uh, It was just kind of a random thing that came our way. There aren't a lot of those that exist. Don't get your hopes up. There aren't a lot more of those out there for us to get. But I've been waiting to tell you this story because they they invited us to apply for this grant. And they they wanted to hear like some like super cool, exciting urban ministry story of what we're going to use. And I'm like, well, we really actually need to fix our parking lot. And they were willing to take the risk. They wrote back and they said, all right, this isn't exactly, they said this isn't exactly what we had in mind, but we believe in the ministry that you are doing here and we want to help take care of this core basic issue. And so there's a $10,000 grant that we're going to give you, which was super exciting. Let's thank you, Jesus, for that. And then there's one more piece of even better news. When we purchased this building about 12 years ago or so, we took out a mortgage to pay for this building. You're going to hear more about this story in two weeks on Celebration Sunday because it's a very, very cool story with lots of little different pieces to it. But we took out a mortgage, which was a tremendously scary thing for a church our size. We were much smaller than we are now, and this building was, was big for us. And we have been faithfully paying it off every month over the last 12 years. And here's the amazing news. As of just this week, we made the final payment on our mortgage for this building. Super, super exciting. 
There is no way that our church would have ever thought we could have done that. We were a lot smaller then, and if, but, but here we, we did. Because of the faithfulness and because of the faith of people who said, all right, we're going to take this piece by piece, little by little, and we're going we're gonna to go for it. So on Celebration Sunday in two weeks, we are going to be burning the mortgage and doing a little ceremony to just celebrate that and have a little party. We're just going to have fun with that, and you're going to hear some very neat stories on that day. So because of all of these things, because of all these things could together, our $138,000 in costs is lessened to $80,000. And so our, our uh, Kingdom Foundation's campaign, the amount that we're seeking to raise over a two-year period, is $80,000. As I think about the mortgage and the people of the past. They had faith. They had, they had this impossible project, but they, they laid a foundation for us today. People 12 years ago did not know that you would all be sitting here someday. But by faith, they said, we think that God's calling us to this next big thing. We're going to do that. And I just want you to know, we were not richer then than we are now. Laying a foundation. So I acknowledge that there may be some people today struggling with talking about these numbers. I get it. I get it that it's awkward. I get it that in a church like City Life, we have financial disparity from one end to the other here in this place. I understand that it can be awkward. I know it's very possible that some of you might never come back after today because it just it hits wrong, it hits funny, and, and you don't like it. I just want to challenge you that part of being in the community is stewarding the resources that God has given us. And I would also suggest that perhaps the more angst you might have about talking about money in church, I might suggest that perhaps money or finances has a deeper hold on you than what you might even realize. And maybe this season will be for you to gain mastery over money rather than money gaining mastery over you. I do think the enemy can work through the power of money's hold on us, and there can be a bondage issue that's part of that. And I think that as we follow Jesus and understand what wisdom looks like, and as we practice faithfulness to God, that I do think that God will change parts of our lives in very real and practical ways. I am excited to hear the testimonies that I think will be coming out of this. I am excited for what God is going to do in us. So here's my challenge. I want to invite you to prayerfully consider what God might have you do for this Kingdom Foundation's campaign. What might be on top of your regular tithes and offerings? And ushers, I've, I have free, I've asked you to bring um, the commitment cards. Yes, ushers, if you would pass out those commitment cards so that people can, can take them home. I'm not going to ask you to fill them out today. I'm going to ask you to take them home and to pray on them and to think about them. But as I mentioned, this is... This is on top of regular tithes and offerings. It is a two-year commitment, 110 weeks between now and December of 2025. And I want you to, con to prayerfully ask God, God, what does my involvement here look like? Church, there's not going to be judgment coming from any, anybody here at the church about how much you give. There's no judgment about that at all. It truly is between you and God, and it truly is everybody's in a different situation. But I would ask that you would consider being involved in some way. We would love to see 100% participation. 
let me talk to you about how to make a capital campaign commitment. So ma making a decision about tithing is easy. Tithing is just about math, that you have a number. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But for this kind of commitment that's above and beyond tithing, it really becomes a matter of prayer and faith. So here are steps to making a capital stewardship commitment. Number one is prayer. Truly seek God for his direction. Has my commitment been formed through prayer? Really? Adam and I, we've been talking to leaders about leaders going first and leaders making a, a decision first, and you'll be hearing about the leaders' commitments in a, in a couple weeks on Celebration Sunday. Adam and I have been asking the question, and we had a conversation, what does this look like for us? And we, we, kinda, we both settled on a, a number that we felt was, was, would be a faith challenge for us and was something that God was calling to, and we're like, okay, well, the next step is let's just really bathe this in prayer and really just seek to hear from God on it. Number two is sacrifice. Is there something you can give up for God? Is my commitment really sacrificial? At our last campaign, you'll be hearing somebody telling this story in a little bit. She, she, this was, our last campaign was about 10 years ago. She gave up, uh, she said, I'm going to work one extra day a month for a year. And then that became her commitment. Sacrifice looks like a lot of different things. But is my commitment sacrificial? The third question is faith. This isn't about you necessarily having control it's about you truly asking God, God, how do you want to stretch me? How do you want to stretch me in this way? God, I want to be totally, I, I want to totally rely on you for my needs. God, how do I, how do you, how are you calling me into faith? And then the fourth step is pray again. Just keep on praying. Keep on praying and seeking God. On Sunday, October 27, on Celebration Sunday, you'll have a chance to bring your cards back. That's the day that we'll all turn our cards in. And part of the celebration will be the turning in of the cards. And we're excited about that. I want to say again, I'm, we're not asking you to raise $80,000. We're asking you to participate, to pray about your participation. Maybe it would look like, maybe your commitment looks like, hey, I don't have a lot of money, but I can commit to picking up a certain number of pot bottles this year or that year. I can, I can do a certain number of pop bottles every month. That would be a fantastic commitment for some people. Maybe it looks like collecting coins on the street. Maybe it looks like an extra shift at work. Maybe it looks like giving up a coffee. Even, even if somebody were to pick up one penny per day for 110 weeks, that still comes to $7.70 and is still participation. So the point is that we want everybody to feel included in this work that I think God wants to do here and in this faith stretching I think he wants to do in your lives. As we said in the video, it's really not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Not everybody can give the same and not everybody should give the same. We should give different amounts. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. If you pull out your commitment card, on, on the back of it you see a little chart and there's a, a picture here of each week, for 110 weeks, if you give this much money, then this is what it comes to for the year, and then this is what it comes to for the two-year total. It's, I think it's a really helpful picture of how things add up. This could actually just be a good life lesson for money management and savings in general, that a little goes a long way over time as you are faithful and consistent. But this kind of breaks down how these things can add up. 
you'll be hearing more about different ways to give. We'll, we'll certainly be able to talk about how our online giving will change, how our offering envelopes, you just need to simply designate on the offering envelopes and we receive giving by mail. At, so we'll, we'll give more instructions about that in the weeks to come. We d the big point is that we just have to make sure that we know that it's for Kingdom Foundations and not for regular tithes and offerings. But our biggest goal is participation. Before I wrap up here, Dan, I'd like to invite you to come forward and share a little bit of your story and how God has been moving you and messing you all up in this area. Well, I'm one of those people, Christy has mentioned, that this has just been kind of blowing my mind what's happened over the last few months. Um, a couple months ago, or about a month ago, I guess it was, you remember, I'm, some of you that were here, I gave a little bit of testimony about my tithing, but I just want to kind of talk about that and, and give you a little bit more detail. So first I want to say that all my life, I was one of those people that sat in churches like this and tuned out when people started talking about tithing or special donations because I wasn't doing it. So it was kind of convicting and, um, you know, filled me with a little bit of guilt. So I would, I would tune out. And tithing was for those people. I would give money to special causes here and there, but, but tithing, that's for those people. And that's the way I went through my life. And I, over the years, developed all kinds of really good excuses why I couldn't tithe. And I got really good at convincing myself that those, uh, that those excuses were reality, but they weren't reality. I was just, uh, somebody was sharing just uh, this past week about how in their younger years, their, their attitude towards money was, what kinds of things can I buy that will impress other people? And guilty. Uh, so m my uh, experience with money most of my life was, oh, I just got a raise, so I've got X number of dollars extra a month. Okay, let me go to my impressive things wish list and see what I can afford for X a month. And somehow never had any extra money. So as I've shared before, uh, part of this membership uh, uh, training that we, I went through a couple months ago, um, this Holy Spirit just started convicting me about tithing. It, okay, it's, it's time to do this, and as I shared with you the short version of that, I finally succumbed and, and did what I should, should do, uh, made that commitment, and over the next couple of weeks, uh, God just blew my mind. I ended up with about a 50 or 60% raise uh, over some various things that happened. But as I started making that, as I was making that commitment, God just started putting this verse, seek ye first my kingdom, and then I'll take care of all these other things. That's my paraphrase. Uh, and I just kept hearing that over and over again, and especially that focus on that first part, seek ye first my kingdom. And one of the things that's blown my mind is as we started meeting for the, the, cam the campaign committee, Sharon started sharing how God, the Holy Spirit, was just putting this idea first, first, first. She kept hearing this first, first, first idea. And it was before Christy had actually talked to her about being on the committee. And what blew my mind is when I realized, kind of did the math and worked backward, and that was right around the same time that I was hearing this seek ye first, seek ye first. So I've come to understand now, this, this is what this is about. This is really not even about the money. It's about be, making this commitment to put God in his proper place. And that has started to evolve and ooze into other parts of my life because I've also all my life never had time to read scripture. 
And over all my life, all the way back to my 20s, I remember being frustrated because I would periodically think, how is it that I didn't have any time to read scripture, but somehow I found 20 hours to play video games and 20 hours to watch TV and 20 hours to sit and do nothing. And so I said, okay, God has given me this message first. So I started putting my Bible on my office chair. And so when I go start to work, there it is. And at first it was, oh, that's right, I got to read my Bible. And now, after a couple weeks, it's, oh, that's just what I do. That's just what I do first thing in the morning. So all throughout Scripture, many verses in the Old Testament even, God makes these promises about, if you are faithful to me, I am going to bless you. And including in the New Testament, Jesus says that, seek ye first, put things in order. So this is God's promise. When you put him first, he will bless you. And I am here to tell you, that God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful to his promises. Thank you, Dan. Thanks. JD, come on up. Thank you, Dan. So what's next? In two weeks, October 29, Celebration Sunday. Chili cook-off is very important that day. It is also the day to turn in the commitment cards and receive those. We'll be announcing the leadership commitment. We'll be burning the mortgage and doing a celebration with that. Tonight we have a night of prayer and worship, and we're going to be praying through these things. We're going to pray for Mongolia. We're going to pray for neighborhood ministries. We're going to pray for our parking lot. And I am not afraid to invite you into these awkward conversations, awkward teachings about money and finances because you cannot go wrong with trusting God with your finances at a deeper level than you ever have before. You can't go wrong with trusting God more. And I'm not afraid to invite you into this because I believe that this matters deeply and that God wants to do a work of freedom and newness and restoration and rebuilding in our church in our neighborhood and in the world and in us. God wants our flourishing and God is doing something big and he's breaking bondage, he's breaking the yokes that have held us back and he's got something good for us. So please be prayerfully considering how God wants to change you in this season. I welcome your questions. Feel free to drop questions on, uh, the, on the communication cards or an email to me or to the church office and I'd love to try to address whatever questions are coming up as we go through this series. God wants to set us free. He wants us to call, he wants to call us to something bigger. He's doing a good work among us and he's inviting us to do it with him.